This is a Repair Nations podcast. This conversation was taped at the Kwame Nkrumah Memorial the first day of our trip. Each member of the trip introduced themselves and why they came. Unfortunately, we weren't able to capture everyone's story, but please enjoy the ones we did. Hi everybody, my name is Aya. Or, um, my full name is Ayano, but I go by Aya. Um, born, I was born and raised in Wailua, Hawaii, but I'm now rooted in East Oakland, um, where I've met a lot of community that has kind of introduced me to the formal work of cooperatives. Um, but I come from a lineage of land healers and teachers. Um, and so I've always been in work connected to land, to the water, to the air, to the things that bring us life and allow us to thrive. Um, and also uh, building on teaching the youth who are going to be leading us one day. Um, so a lot of, you know, I, I was doing a lot of this work and it wasn't really clicking in my mind that the, it came with a cooperative mindset and it came along with co- cooperative values and these were things that have been a part of um, my personal like lineage and history um, and so through a lot of the unlearning that I've done in my sh- the 25 years I've been here um, you know it's it's led me to this this world of of shedding that individual capitalist capitalism shedding these um, barriers that has separated all of us and kind of kept us keeps us contained um, and my spirit is is a loving and 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 nurturing spirit and I want to be able to to share that with everybody no matter where I go and so I'm, I'm just so grateful to be sitting you know just on this land with all of y'all all of you know my new ohana my new family um, and 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 move forward and, and build this together and like you were saying yesterday, is this is a movement that um, is is healing the past and present and building a future that really resonated with me yesterday. So um, yeah, thank you for for everybody being here and and just giving your energy to this movement. It's a beautiful thing. All right, uh, my name is Khalil Johnson. Um, it was nice to meet everybody here um, past few days. Uh, So, I'm originally from Los Angeles, Um, moved to East Oakland about seven or eight years ago, Um, and I'm really just happy to be here as the first person in my family. I think um, it's definitely an honor to be able to go back and tell my family and make that first connection, but also just an honor to really hear about my people's history from my people. Typically, we're hearing it in America. and. There's a lot of things that, you know, in the back of your head you may not be able to trust, but sometimes you just go with it. But it is good to hear from, you know, the people around here and see how they kind of link cooperative models within their daily lives. Like, I'm not sure if any of us noticed, but that bus system that they have is definitely like a cooperative model, how they have somebody driving, somebody doing security, um, somebody speaking, and then they meet with the guy here. So I thought that was really cool to kind of see in action. Yeah, yeah I, wasn't, I wasn't snapping to stop the flow. I was um, snapping, you know, because I, I agree. Um, let me see. So the name is Najari. 
Um, coming out of Richmond, California. Born and raised in Brooklyn, New York. Um, and I say this place, you know, um, due to capitalism. And Richmond, um, let me see, I've been, uh, I spent two years as a arts and culture commissioner. I was the chair of the Richmond Bicycle and Pedestrian Advisory Committee that actually led me into a lot of the work that I do. Founded an organization called um, Rich City Rides and co-founded uh, Cooperation Richmond. The lovely queen right here. Um, and just a ton of work. I mean, for me, culture dictates the system. And if we guide the culture, we create the change. We create the system that we need and want. So um, this is one quote from W.E.B. Du Bois that I really loved. And um, I believe it was Sister Kana who like brought it to mind while we were talking. So um, it goes, we unwittingly stand at the crossroads should we go the way of capitalism and try to become individually rich as capitalists? Or should we go the way of cooperatives and economic cooperation where we and our whole community could be rich together? Yes. And I believe that we can all get the bag together. Yes. You know, when I look at it, it's, you know, translating that into the time of now. <laughs> And um, us unifying is a, is a part of that, you know. Um, I think of, I got, I came here wearing my grandfather's rings and his um, bracelet. So it meant a lot to me to be able to touch the, um, touch, I'm gonna call it the shrine of, um, of Kwame. And um, when I think of my, my grandfather, that's my grandfather on my father's side, um, who, you know, from Panama and five generations back before that, Trinidad and five generations, you know, generations before that, I just don't know. Um, and on my mother's side, um, you know, we only have like one generation and, um, in New York. You know, I think my grandfather came from Virginia to Harlem. And my mom was born and then I was born in Brooklyn. And um, always wanting home and wanting to find out where home is. Communication is one of the first things the oppressor of our, of our people took away from us by, by um, punishing, by attacking whenever, making it we couldn't use our language. So I always hold dear, I wish I knew what my language is. It's not Spanish. Right. You know, and the damn show ain't English. Right. So I felt like what we did as we as we gathered on the bus, we commune and ate together, we are creating a culture. Mm -hmm. We are connecting with each other. And that's so powerful. Mm -hmm. You know, around the grave of um the tomb of, of Kwame Nkrumah was this rope and it tied together right at his name. Um, my other grandfather used to say that 
God was so, you know, in all of his magnificence, so powerful that he blew himself up, only to show that he could bring himself back together. Mm-hmm. So when I think of the transatlantic slave trade and the, the displacement of um, black people throughout the diaspora, the most powerful thing we could do is so that we can unite. And I look forward to seeing what we create when we do, when we unite, when we bring all of that together. So uh, my name is Doria Robinson. I'm, uh, I always introduce myself because it's such a huge part of my identity as a third-generation Richmond resident as well. So I'll kind of sweet to see so many Richmond people here. Um, I uh, grew up in the Iron Triangle in Richmond. I still live in the South Side, my kids. Um, my grandparents moved up from the South, or actually great-grandparents moved up from the South in the 40s. And I think one of the biggest things that brought me to cooperativism was growing up in the church, growing up in my grandfather's church. Because the way they went about things um, was cooperative. So folks moved up from Louisiana and Arkansas with, with like no money, you know? And, and it's funny too, because when I was growing up, we always thought that, that somehow the church was rich, but nobody had any money. And so we were, you know, like nobody, not my grandparents, my, the, the, you know, the head of the church or whatever. And so we were like, you know, but we're rich, but we don't, you know, no, we don't have money. <laughs> and what I learned growing up, and especially after my grandfather passed, was folks had a plan. Mm-hmm. You know, they came up here together, 17 families from the South, literally together. They had a plan. <laughs> like, it wasn't just, like, symbolically. <laughs> and they brought each other up. When they got up here, people stayed with each other. They shared money. They put the money from the church into a pot that they used to purposely buy land in Richmond. And then the elders got together and put that land into a trust. Way before anybody came along and was old enough to screw it up. <laughs> and so I had this feeling when I was growing up, because the whole neighborhood that I lived in was all my family's houses. You know, and not just when I say my family, it wasn't just the Robinsons, it was the Hunters and the and the Clarks and the Browns and the you know, and it was my family. It was all of us was the family. And in a place when I got older that was, you know, people shooting all the time and being crazy, when I grew up, it was all the doors were open and you would run in and out of people's houses, you know, and everybody was like that. But I think the most powerful thing was to see people who supposedly didn't have money, you know, put each other's kids through school, you know, have, you know, say, like, kind of designate, this person's going to become the electrician, this person's going to become the carpenter, they have interest in this, let's get them, let's get them certified, let's, and literally, that, that, I remember the conversations in church, and they would be saying that, you know, and that's what the offering would go to. And then, you know, they bought 350 acres together in, in Fairfield and started a ranch. We have it to this day, mm-hmm. you know? And it's just like, yeah, it don't look like much. It don't look like Dallas, but we have it. And we ha- I grew up going up there, learning how to grow food, learning how to, you know, deal with animals and, and whatnot. 
And I never even thought much of it, except for I had this, you know, juxtaposition between, like, you know, Fifth Street <laughs> and the, the ranch, you know? And, um, and they did that cooperatively. They, had, they voted on stuff. They decided together. They had this kind of elders council. And, um, and so today, I, I run, you know, I uh, run an urban agriculture organization in Richmond. We have seven different farm, uh, farms and gardens. We run a CSA. We feed 160 families every week from the food that we grow and the relationships we have with other farmers. Um, we're still building that whole thing out. I helped to co-found Cooperation Richmond with uh, Najari and some other folks and trying to actually focus all of our energy, all of the resources that we have can lay our hands on, on helping people build cooperatives, you know, like strictly. And then within Urban Tilth, practicing cooperative cooperation practicing and teaching that in all of our and all of our stuff um, I just want to close by saying like uh, last month I was in Cape Town at a conference on divestment and I had met a bunch of people that I had actually met at a UN thing earlier some farmers from around Africa and they were there because they were hopeful that you know this whole conference was like grassroots movements across Africa coming together around divestment from fossil fuels, right? And they were like celebrating $11 trillion divested, you know, through various whatever. That's a big number, you know? And everybody was on stage talking about these grassroots efforts across Africa to electrify towns, to, you know, do alternative, like, hop, jump, whatever. And when they got off stage, we were just like talking to them, you know, and, and saying, you know, did you get some of that $11 trillion? Because <laughs> it's supposed to be divestment and then reinvest, right? Reinvest in, in, the, in the economy you want. And everybody was like, no, no, wow. no. So there's all these foundations, all these funders in the room patting themselves on the back for divesting, but what they're reinvesting in is like, you know, Walmart and Google and, you know, whatever. And, and it's not really helping anything. And I just, we had so many conversations with folks you know, who were in all these places, the, the amount of money they needed to electrify a town was the amount that we normally burn up in the states, like just looking at a program, just thinking about a program, you know? And I, I started to think to myself that this is crazy. Why are we waiting for people to get a clue, to, to believe in us, to, you know, whatever? And I was like, you know, people, black folks, in the states, even people who you know consider ourselves underprivileged, consider ourselves poor, could move resources way faster than hoping and waiting for the, the crumbs that fall off the table. You know, and I was like, we need to connect directly. That was what I came out of Cape Town thinking and, and, and saying to people: we need to make direct connections because we can move this stuff way faster. And um, and so when this opportunity came up, actually, I'd already kind of signed up, but. It felt like things start just start kind of kind of coming together in my mind, you know. Um, so I'm gonna leave it. I talked enough. Thank you. Thank you. Good evening, everyone. I apologize for missing that earlier. I thought y'all were still in the museum. I was like, dang, where y'all at? <laughs> um, so my name is Camila Wade. I'm from Oakland, California. I was given the name Fafali when I first came to Ghana the first time. I took Ancestry uh, with a friend of mine and we wanted to visit a common country that we had. 
on our test, and Ghana was a common country, so we came here and um, met, I met uh, Sister Naya. She met me at the airport. Actually, the second time she met me at the airport, I came. But um, I was able to build a few relationships, and it really opened my eyes when I saw all of the other cultures here. I realized that like, we're really missing out on something, and I've grown up in Oakland all of my life, and my street in East Oakland used to be all black families, and now they're majority Latino. I think there's only two of us, maybe three of us that are still there from when I grew up. And what I see the Latino families do every single payday is they go to Western Union, they go to a check cashing place, and they send the money back to Mexico. And um, I felt like I wanted to do something so that we, even in our uh, struggle in the States, we're still really fortunate in many ways um, with the ways that we're able to live and the ways that we're able to do things with our families. So um, my best friend and I, we started an organization called We Rise, and we want to bring a, uh, a network of volunteering and programming and education so that the two continents can get to know each other, so that we can understand where we've come from, where we're going, what we want to do, and then build um, relationships so that we can help each other build homes, we can help each other teach. Um, I visited schools here and I listened to their curriculum, and the curriculum was very European-centered. They didn't want language spoken. The language here isn't taught. The tree, um, away, they're, they're spoken in the homes, but they're not taught in the schools. So many children grow up not knowing how to read their own language. They don't know how to write their own language. And English is presented as a hierarchy of communication. And all the way to the point where they change their you know, entire name to fit you know, our you know, structure. So with that, um, so we're starting that. And I hear talking about cooperatives. Uh, my family is a construction family, the Wade family in Oakland. My grandmother had nine children, four boys, five boys, four girls. Every single son does construction. And none of them are able to work together. We tried to start a family business, and you know there was a boss. Every, everyone wanted to be the boss. Everybody wanted to get paid first. Everybody wanted you know, the hierarchy you know, the high position, and no one was able to work together. So we have, you know, five men and their children who are also have sons, and they're in construction, and none of them work together. They have, you know, like seven independent construction companies, and it blows my mind. How do we have seven independent construction companies just for my grandmother? You know, we should be, we should be one giant construction company in Oakland, but we're not able to work together. So I really want We Rise to be something where we can kind of break down our, um, our conditioning of, of not being able to trust each other and our condition of, of proper standards because we think people are supposed to behave a certain way, but we were taught that and that's not, you know, we get to create our own behavior. So I'd really like for us to find out, you know, what we want to do, how we want to live and how we want to raise our children and the kind of education that we want to give them um, and what we want to see for our future. So that's me. No. Oh. My name is Tut Haru, Kinsu Hotel, Kingdom X, family called me Kingdom. Uh, Repair Nations introduced me to this work. Cooperation Richmond has given me the tools and education on how to implement and, and connect people uh, where I come from. And the reason I even have this fight and this determination, um, because I grew up in the streets of Oakland. 
I'm a part of the Brookfield Village Tribe, uh, survivor of the hiking movement. And, uh, you know, I'm not supposed to be here. You know, where I come from, I grew up in a dope house. You know what I'm saying? Like real dope. It's, it's not just dope around the corner. My two oldest brothers were, were uh, uh, Heron addicts and Heron dealers. I grew up three years old knowing what a grandma Heron weighs and how, how what, what dope smells like on crumbled up $1 bills. You know what I'm saying? Even way back being a premature baby, you know what I'm saying? Fighting for my life, you know, not understanding. First human contact was through an incubator. You know what I'm saying? My mama was struggling out of dope, you know what I'm saying? And uh, the main reason I'm here is, is healing, man. Like, I'm so excited to be here, but it's a war going on with me right now, inside of myself. It's, it's aspects of myself that I knew I was bringing here to exterminate, to, to, and the good parts to, to learn how to like, okay, I like this part of myself. How can I, you know what I'm saying, germinate this and be able to spread it out to my folks back home? There's a lot of people dealing with it on worse levels than what I'm dealing with it on. And it ties to that piece that we've all been talking about. Like we have all this talent and all these resources, but we can't even come together at Thanksgiving. And I'm forget the holiday and all. We, we know, I'm talking about just to come together, break bread at Big My House or somebody's house and put together and then help wash the dishes and everybody clean, everybody put the babies to bed. You know what I'm saying? And the family sit back after the uh, uh, festivities and we talk business. Don't do that. We all know that. I come from a family with doctors, pastors, priests, priests. You know what I'm saying? Very educated, very driven people that work in the banking industry. You know what I'm saying? But we we let insignificant, you know what I'm saying, occurrences keep us from pulling together and, 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 and like focusing on like the main goal. Like I've talked about this with so many people in this room and it's like, I'm looking inside of me because I know whatever they're dealing with is something that I picked up too. And I'm not just probably conscious of it. And uh, I just, I'm, I'm, you know, to survive what I survived through, you know what I'm saying? I had to pick up a certain, like, resonance about me to survive, right? And I think we all go through that, you know, because it's a, it's a fucked up place. Like, we come from a fucked up environment. Like, the oppression, the hate, the shit we had to rise through. And if we can, we're not just getting out of that uh, untainted. So I'm like... I was talking to the jury about it, like the press, like this, the statement always been there, like uh, the shackles are off our, off our, off our wrists, but it's, the shackles are on our mind now. And it's like, it's not just that I changed my name, or I'm dressing, I'm walking in the culture, it's deeper than that. Like it's the way that I interact with my brothers. Like when I see my brother, you know what I'm saying? What type of love do I really have for you, my sister? Like what, where, where's my attraction and my, my, you know, the feelings I have for you? And being here just a little bit, I'm starting to peep like certain ways that, you know, they move on the continent. And I can see, just to make it clear, the, the, where we've been tainted in our purest expressions of who we are. And I, I might be a fool for saying this, but I want to be as pure as possible because I feel like that's where I need to be. But also in a, in a place to where we can defend ourselves. Because I was talking over there with the ancestors in Puma, and I was like, the thing that scared me the most about Malcolm X, Dr. King, and Nkrumah, and, and great men, is that they all fall the same way. Demised by so much hate. People with so much love. 
I'm like, how do you fight that? I was just asking, like, like how do you, you know, we gotta have some some army, like, somebody should have protected you. You know what I'm saying? How somebody could have gave you some herbs, like, how is this a part of? And it's like, brother, it's it's not about that, brother. It's it's about this duality. You know, you gotta decide. Well, not you gotta decide. We have to be a certain way. No matter what the oppressor or what the enemy has done, we have to be that light. And it's a tough pill for me to swallow. Because I'm a fighter. What does it look like fighting without having to throw a blow? What does it look like fighting with me, myself? With the, oppressor, the oppressor in me. Like, what does that look What is he talking? What does that look like? And I'm just supposed to be cool with that? So, I'm just here to be, you know what I'm saying, broken, like somebody else said, like, and put back together the right way so I can go back, we can go back and be like that family, like, okay, it's a family of us doing this now. It's not just one or two, it's a family, like, see how they move? Like, we bring in the positive stuff we see out here, we bring, you see how they relate to each other? You see how the brothers talk to the sisters? You see how the brothers move? You see how the sisters, like, that's what we need. The other, I feel like the other stuff is already there. The stuff that we got, that's messed up. Is the, the the norms? Do you get what I'm saying? Like, yes. not just what I say to you, or how I act with you. What I'm thinking about you. What I feel when you do something to me that I might. Oh, you might say you might wear something. What is that? I don't know. I know I'm not the. I've fought with it. I've heard monkey minds, but it's something else that's deep. It's better than like who I am, that I know I picked up on, that I know a lot of us are dealing with back home. Somebody else touched on that. A lot of people didn't want me to come, and I didn't. I'm not looking at them like they were. They were scared. It ain't that they didn't want me to come. They didn't. They didn't see this. They think it's something bad gonna happen to me. So they cared. They didn't want me to lose me. They didn't want me to change. What is that? I'm not the only one dealing with this. So I'm, that's, what, that's what I'm saying. How to get the oppressor completely out of our being. That is the answer. Because when we do that, everything else is laid out so beautifully, beautifully for us. That's all I keep hearing from the ancestors. We're worrying about where the money goes. We're worrying about where the building is. We're worrying about they get the bombs and they blow. We're worrying about what happened. We laid all that out for y'all. We need y'all to come together now. Really though. Genuinely though. Honestly though. That's all I keep hearing. It's driving me crazy. Like, okay, what do I need to change? Because I know what. Come on, man. What do I need to change? Really? And as a man, as a man, gotta be humble. Gotta be humble, man. So that's all I wanted to say. And I'm with Rick's mom. And um, from Oakland, and I feel like I'm part of the lost generation, the ones that were completely asleep, or at least my little pocket, you know, um, conditioned, uh, clueless, uh, materialistic, I mean, all of that, you know. Um, 
And I, even though I, I tried to raise it to my kids in the way that was, um, you know, think for yourself and, and all be together, I didn't know the words. I didn't know that this was possible. Um, and so uh, after waking up and, and continuing, because it's a journey, I feel like I have to fight every day against the conditioning or I fall back into the old ways and to wake up again and again. And um, so, so I, I went the, the normal way, opened a business individually, um, tried to help people, but it wasn't, I didn't have the right, again, the right language because it wasn't about getting people in my community to help even though that's what I wanted to do. I needed to inspire them so that we could all work together to come to up because their mindset wasn't right and I was thinking as an employer, right? So it just didn't, it just, I'm hoping that this journey teaches me a better way. So that the next time I do it, I find like-minded people that all will work together and then I think we can, when we build it and it shows other people, they will come, right? Because even um, he, he just had to go for it, right? And other people later on realized after they saw it work. How many times do you see people are like, well, I'll join in after I see what you do, right? To see how that work out. But at the same time, being negative the whole time. And then when you push through, then they're like, oh, okay, maybe there's something to do. So this trip is just teaching me that a, a new way. A new way. Yes. Yeah. So. Um, I just want to say, though, sorry, just one quick thing. Okay. But, I mean, saying that your grades amount, you, you, know, you clearly did a lot right, right? Yes. To have yes. Right. We'll see. Raising him up. So that was hard. So, um, so I'm still learning. Um, I feel like I did connect with the ancestors today. I just want to touch like always. Miss um, Doria over there is going to be my new best friend because <laughs> I um, recently discovered farming. I want to farm uh, and, and growth. Being connected to the land, I think, is is really uh, a big part of us as uh, Africans. You know, it's just that's our like our lifeblood. Um, and other than that, I'm all confused. And everything is wonderful. Um, that's all. We run out of time in the VIP lounge, so we have to finish outside. Okay. Hi, I'm a Krishna. Um, I originally came here to support Greg. Uh, I, I wanted to travel, but I didn't know where, you know, saying to go. I, I like, I like our culture that we have in America. I don't think I would exist had whatever happened not happened. So, 
a lot of times I hear that, you know, we don't have nothing or we probably just broken something. Everyone has something happen to them. If you've been, if we believe we've been for a million years, you think people live a million years and nothing happened to them the whole time? So we all went through something. We have a culture, it's ours. People know who we are. If we didn't have no culture, people wouldn't be able to see who we are. So when I walk, people automatically know, like, what's up, you know what I'm saying? So I just want to share that. Um, and what I'm here for is dual citizenship. Or dual citizenship anyway, I want dual nationhood. Many nations that I can be a part of. I want many passports, you know? <laughs> and, uh, you know, peace and blessings to everyone. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's it. Yeah. My name is Naya Lacey. 2015, um, my ex came to me. He had been yet again displaced from his house in Richmond, and he asked me to, he asked my daughter rather, but she was staying with me to take care of his three sons, 14, 5, and 8. And I took them in. The oldest one would come in around 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. I didn't know. He was on whatever the synthetic weed was, but he was completely bombed out of his mind. Kept on putting out cigarettes and stuff on my rug. Now, he's been my little son since he was about five years old so I was like I can't take care of him leave the two small ones with me I can't take care of him so I took him back to Richmond two days later they killed him in front of Harry Hills so my baby I had just talked to him I was like Xavier if you can let's get it together because I'm going to Ghana you want to come he loves fufu that's the one of the Ghana so he was my eat he loved to eat anyway after this happened this happened on February 29th that leap year day that he was killed in Richmond um I began to not be able to breathe anymore. I was in Oakland, and I would, I would walk from my car, and my breath would just leave me. Ancestors came in my sleep and said, you need to get out of here. So I got on a plane, and I came to Ghana. I, even though I was born in Ghana, um, July 8, 1965, I had not been here since I was one years old. But I came back not knowing anyone. My parents had, le had long lost ties with whoever they knew here, except for maybe a few people my father knew, but I didn't think they would still be alive because they were probably older than him when he was here. Um, and so I've been here. I came to stay for two months. I ended up staying for two years. And then I go back and forth and I'm building my house because this is where I want to be. This is where my ancestors said, this is where you are okay. This is where you will thrive. You will not just live, you will actually thrive here. Um, and so, but I do have to go back to the States and I've just come back with after five months of uh, driving for Uber and Lyft. That's why I keep having to sit down. My back is totally scrapped. I have to see my um, chiropractor that's here. But I'm here because I met Maz through a friend of my father's. My father's an African history teacher uh, from Contra Costa College, um, James Lacey, and he's probably taught a lot of your parents. Right, so so he um, he's um, older than most of you guys are, but what I want us to do is, because I'm not sure, because this is not a new concept that we're doing. My father was here in 1961 with my mom. They were 19 and 25 years old, and they were here with Maya Angelou and Malcolm X, and they were here. They spoke, sat and spoke like we're doing right now. So like you were saying, sister, the things that we've done, tried, that, that didn't go. What are we going to learn now? Because this is not a new concept. What are we going to do that we're going to actually, all of the things that people have built their intents on, how are we going to make this come to fruition for real? It's got to be done. We can't just keep trying and failing and trying and failing. 
we're going to have to look and see what happened with my father's group of people and those that came before and after him. People, we've been doing this in the 70s and Stokely Carmichael, everybody's been doing this. So we've got to figure out what are, what are we, um, where were we lacking? Or what did we let fall to the wayside? What did we, what were we not diligent about? Because we, we got to do it. We got to do it. We have got to do it or our babies are just going to just keep getting killed at 14 years old in front of their high schools. Hmm. This is very... very emotional for me so I lived in East Africa for about a year and uh, changed my life it changed my inner being I grew a lot I grew a lot after that and um, I have I have this dream that just won't leave my heart now of, of solidarity between Pan-Africans you know I, I see us so the vision I have is very clear. The how is going to take all of us. And I'm fully invested in it. Financially, with all of my resources, with networking. And I have a global network. From youth to now. And it's only expanding. Um, I'm a healing arts entrepreneur. So I started, I've always been of service um, in, in the health, uh, health healthcare field as a CNA as a healthcare provider and now I'm a masseuse is my preferred method of of healing uh self first um so the vision is multiple spaces uh in multiple parts of the world so different parts of the world various parts of the world us collectively owning um and that land and, and creating safe space, creating modern day village um, and by us I mean us from the states with us from the continent on the continent and in the states so if we land, if we own land together in the states it should be both us from the continent on that land and us from the state and vice versa if we own land in the continent see. so that's how I see it I see us raising our children together. I see us living in unity as family, as village. Um, I see us connecting back to nature and slowing down. Um, and really, really like re deprogramming and reprogramming all of this colonization inside out, you know? And um, really, really honored to be here. Really, really grateful. Um, yeah. So, 
I'm going to keep it there. But we can. We have all of the resources and capability to do so and continue connecting with the people here and, and building trust within each other, within yourself. Trusting yourself first and foremost, knowing yourself first and foremost. Because a lot of us, that's where I feel like things go awry is we're lying to ourselves. It's identity crisis. And identity is very fickle, by the way. Very, very fickle. Uh, it's fluid, which is fine. It's just like constantly being present with self and and getting the download, basically. Receiving from your ancestors, from your lineage. We all have that ability. It's in us. So that's my vision. I, I, I see that. And, and I see it's happening. Thank God for this family. Gregory, his mom, you know, his sister, his father, you know, it's happening. This is it. So now we just have to take it. We have to do it, live it, and everybody come together, full trust, put it all on the table, everything, and, and nothing is wrong. All of your emotions are welcome. Your rage is welcome, you know, all of it, because it's all a part of you. So we're all fragmented beings coming together as one as one unit, as oneness, as one high, you know? So I just would really love for us to continue this everywhere we go and continue traveling to different lands and unifying with the people, with the locals. I'm so grateful that you guys are right here and, and listening and connecting, and I would love to hear from you after this. If you have anything at all to share, no pressure, no pressure. But if you did, that's dope because you're a part of this. You are the family. You're a part of this. So we are each other, period. That's the culture I grew up in. I'm from Harlem. And so I grew up in like, oh, I look like you. I look like you. I know you. Come to my house. Here's my grandma's food. My grandma's like, yep, come on. So that's it. I see you. I am you. That's it. You know, I have my traumas and triggers. You have your traumas and triggers. Let's heal that, you know? Let's heal it and continue to heal it and, it, and it starts with self. So I'm not gonna blame you, and you're not gonna blame me. We're gonna grow, and I'm gonna focus on my inner, and you're gonna focus on your inner. We're gonna do that together. We're gonna reflect each other back to each other. So you are my mirror, and I see me in you. I am your mirror. So that's it. Um, thank you. Oh, I'm Sidiqua, by the way. Yeah. and light everybody come in the middle of the space um, my main purpose of coming here is to break spells and heal so i have my cellulite wand here it's very good at cleansing spaces and also setting intentions um, i've been taking a few notes of um these things i've been hearing around the circle and i resonate with everybody what they've been saying so far because i've been going through the same thing i've been on the path of him in the last eight years of my life going through pains and traumas that i've been through with my family and my individual path I feel like it resonates with everybody in this circle right here. We um, kind of all interconnected one way or another just by our experiences and by um, our emotional things that we've been through. So I want to um, take my phone out for a second because I was, like I said, taking note of everything. And uh, yes, yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and start breaking these spells. The first spell I like to break is mental slavery and need to be liberated as people. Um, melanated people, carbon people, we're 90% of the planet. So we don't need to be liberated from nothing. We are the planet, we are the people. So this mindset, this mental slavery mindset needs to be broken. Um, and we need to also be reconnected with the earth. 
Earth is the original being on this planet. And we're children of the Earth. And we kind of forgot that. We've been hurting the Earth, killing the Earth from our own selfish ways of thinking and our own mental slavery. So we need to get connected back to the Earth and also to the universal perspective of things, being connected with other life forces and other things outside of this Earth as well. Because if we don't, we'll only be enslaved in the same mindset that we continue to be in. Um, and healing, healing spiritually, <laughs> mentally, and physically, and all about optimal health and wellness. Like, we all need to be in a state of healing, um, and also healing each other, but also helping to heal everybody around us on a daily basis. Um, raising the consciousness and frequency and vibration of the planet. You know, we have to um, be more consciously aware of things going on around us, and um, also try to connect ourselves to outside of ourselves to be more connected with people. Um, also breaking this curse of the one world currency system, this dollar. I heard everybody's speaking about money and everything. Money is a new concept to this earth. Right. Trading, bartering for resources and, and services, that's what the earth has always done. So I feel like that's one of the biggest issues that we're going through right now. Um, and this currency system is all being perpetuated by people who are not even originally from this system that we built up on this earth, you know what I'm saying? It's coming from people that are, are parasitic, parasitic entities that have taken over the mind of the people of the earth and made us fight amongst each other. So I feel like this dollar and this materialism and being in religion as well is another separation amongst our people. We've always been interconnected through spirituality and I think that we need to connect back to our spiritual selves outside of religion. Um, also, um, materialism and also being separated by sexes, man and woman. We are one. We all have masculine energy in us. We all have feminine energy in us. And we need to connect back to that and respect the feminine energy more than anything on the earth. So the feminine energy has been very much enslaved on this earth. It's keeping the love. It's keeping the just the, the energy of being one connected on the earth. So we need to definitely heal that. Um, and also just being of abundance, prosperity, health, and stripping ourselves of unnatural things that don't serve us. So I feel like um, if we start doing these things collectively, if we start unifying collectively, if we think for ourselves, and if we do for ourselves, we won't need no outside foreign help. We won't need nobody to assist us and aid us. We have everything we need from the earth, and we can take it from the earth. Not necessarily take it, but we can be given from the earth. But I feel like we're taking from the earth right now. We're taking the natural resources. We're taking the water and the, and the air and everything, but we're not giving nothing back. So it's nothing going to be reciprocated if you don't give back. Everything is a, it's an ecosystem, and we're breaking the ecosystem of the earth right now. We're taking from the animals. We're taking from the water. We're taking from the air. We're taking from everything, and we're taking from ourselves ultimately. So we need to be more mindful and aware of the things that we're doing on a daily basis and try to give something back on a daily. If you can't give it to another person, give it to yourself. If you can't give it to yourself, give it to an animal, give it to the trees, give it to the earth. But just, just give. Try to give a little bit more and we'll receive a lot more. And um, yeah, that's all I wanted to say. You know what I'm saying? And I appreciate everybody for being here. I love everybody in the circle. We all connected as one. And um, yeah, let's do this work. Much work to be done.
My name is Ajman. Uh, one thing that, that's been coming up for me in my mind uh, lately is leadership. Uh, my dad gave me the name Ajman with the intention of being a strong leader. Uh, he was inspired by the story of, well, he gave me the middle name Bilal, which was uh, inspired by uh, Louder? Okay, excuse me. Uh, again, my name is Ajman, and uh, my dad named me uh, Ajman Bilal uh, as a way to give the intention of leadership. And Bilal was someone in the Quran who called people to prayer. Um, and so I think as of now, I've been really trying to figure out what that means for me. What does leadership really mean for me in my life? And I feel like incrementally, the Most High has been putting me in positions uh, to where I am around leaders. And I think it's taken me some time to be more present with the, the lessons that these different leaders are putting in front of me. <coughs> Um, and one of those aspects is, you know, uh, being in tune with self, understanding purpose, and walking with intention. You know, I feel like moving from where I was, from boyhood to manhood, you know, one of those key factors is intention. I was talking to my brother on the plane, we was talking about clarity, you know, and, and I, I've been focusing on growing my capacity so that mm -hmm. I can give more and be of more value to the people around me, you know. Um, I have little ones who look up to me, and I want to be able to be a, a good mentor and with my words, but also with my actions. You know, coming from East Oakland, you know, I have a brother, my only sibling, locked up right now. Had two sons. No, he's not there to influence him. I am. You know, uh, my mom adopted my little nephew, and, and, and I took it upon myself to see him as my son and to put more energy into you know, getting myself up economically, mentally, spiritually, so that I could be, you know, uh, a stable resource for him. Um, and also to, to build my family when I have my seeds, so that it is not separatism that separates us. It's not distinct families over here, over there. You know, I grew up, my mom was pretty much very, like my, my only parent for uh, uh, all intents and purposes. My dad was very present, but my mom did a lot. And I feel like seeing my mom, do everything by herself really hurt me because I feel like, man, she's one of nine and she moved out to California from Arkansas with five of her brothers and sisters. None of them talk. None of them communicate to each other um, except for my one uncle who passed on my birthday um, last last year. And I feel like these different signs of you know people passing away at certain times around me, numbers having a huge significance in my life. I'm just more aware of the spiritual nature that surrounds us. And, and it's very spiritually significant that I'm here right now. Uh, I'm the only person in my family that has touched the continent, you know, in my immediate family. That's not by accident. Um, and I'm amongst leaders right now. Everyone in here has spoken with so much purpose and so much intention, and I'm so inspired by that. You know, I want to bring that back to my community so I can walk with that was, you know, that that unmistakable purpose, that unmistakable power that is not selfish, that is not, you know, ego. You know, that power that's beyond me as a person, as Ajman, because I represent more than just myself. I represent my ancestors and I represent my progeny that'll come after me. So I just, I want to appreciate everyone that's here. Um, also want to acknowledge uh, Auntie Nye. You know, I actually grew up, uh, your father uh, knows my auntie Ann, uh, who 
I, I used to see him. He was like the only brother I knew that used to wear sandals all the time. And I used to, <laughs> it's such a small thing, right? But yeah, I just remember real, that. That's I just real. remember him always that's having sandals. Real. And I remember my auntie being like, yeah, he goes to Africa all the time. And, um, that's how she, you know. That's how, yeah, right, right. And, um, and, and she even told me, you know, it's, it's crazy that you're not involved with, you know, somebody of his family. Um, but before I came here, that's what she said. So I didn't know that that was your father when we was connected before we got here. Um, and he was one of my favorite people when I was younger because he always brought so much good energy, you know. And I, I haven't seen him in a while, so that's it's amazing. Um, so I'm just here just like in awe and uh, of the Most High because nothing is by accident. And, you know, we are all here as powerful forces of love, you know. And we are here to bring that back. Um, to wherever we go from here on out. So, thank you. Hey everyone. Hello. My name is Mazin, Jamal. And uh, my father's name is Jamal. My mother's name is Mithnuri. And they were both born in Sudan. Both of my parents were born in Sudan. And in Sudan, uh, the way that uh, the culture was set up during colonization is that the people of the north, where my family are from, were set as superior or, you know, um, higher than the people of the south. It was this microcosm of, you know, uh, hierarchy and of, of domination. And actually, even in my own family, there were people who owned slaves from the same country, people who might have been their own cousins. And they were both deeply political people. Uh, my father, like, you know, rode a donkey to school and then, like, you know, became a socialist, communist, activist guy and had to leave the country because it wasn't safe to do that. Uh, my mom was, um, uh, she was, like, when she passed away when I was 15, people I had never heard of were, like, writing me letters, like, your mom changed my life. She put me on game in college. She educated me about politics, all this stuff. She also ended up um, moving out. To, uh, to come to the Bay Area where I was born. And um, the interesting thing is, when I was very young is when my mom got cancer. And I didn't really see that side of her that was very intellectual. All I ever saw in her was someone who was so centered in her heart. And so when I later, later, like pretty much after she passed, found out how much she was a thinker and a writer and did all of these things with the mind, I was actually surprised. I was like, not like I didn't know she was brilliant, <laughs> but she wasn't, she wasn't stuck in the mind. She moved through life from her heart. And she didn't need to say things or break things down in an intellectual, conceptual way for people to know exactly what she meant. And I didn't really understand the significance of that for a huge time in my life because I was so in the mind for most of my life, right? I, I went to college and I was so obsessed with oppression. Like, I knew everything about every kind of oppression. I was like, what about ableism? What about racial ableism when gender comes and plays a role in that? And then you got to see with the intersection of... I was, like, just obsessed with understanding all of the ways in which we are oppressed, you know? And it's interesting because, you know, maybe it was me feeling bad because people in my family were oppressive. Maybe it was me feeling bad because I felt oppressed, you know, the things that happened to my parents and their ancestors through calling. I don't know. But at a certain point, I had to kind of ask myself, like, is that what I want to be known for when I'm dead, you know? Here lies Mazin. He knew a lot about oppression. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, 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 I, and I realized, you know, I was so involved in so many social movements and 
activism in college, and it was just like we were, we didn't know how to be together. We knew everything about all the ways we were oppressed. We knew everything about capitalism and whiteness and race and gender and blah 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 blah. But we didn't know nothing about how to be together. Mm. And it was so weird because in my family we knew everything about how to be together. We didn't know nothing about all the others. I mean, my parents did, but they, we didn't talk about that stuff. We just be together. So I, I was always so confused. And so what you were saying about how identity is so fickle, I never felt like I fit into an identity. You know, I grew up with one of those kids like wasn't black enough for the black kids and wasn't Arab enough for the Arab kids, and I didn't really fit. Most of my friends were Asian. I don't know. I didn't really ever. I just hung out with my cousins. You know, with the Sudanese, like, because that's the only people who really understood me. But I, I almost feel like, cause, cause later I had to reapproach. You know, when I went to college. I was like all about like, black power, African unity, all of that. But it was from this place of like, I feel like I'm superior. You know, I'm like, oh yeah, like we were the Egyptians and we were, you know, black people are the original people and da da da. And it wasn't grounded at all. It was still just in the mind. So anyway, all that to say, um, it was later in my life that I realized. When my mom, uh, when she was passing, she was six months, she was in the hospital, and she couldn't speak. And her, she was like such a great speaker. That was like, everyone knew her. She's a conversationalist, you know? But she couldn't speak because she had a breathing tube. So my whole last six months with her was just eyes and, and presence and being. Mm. And, and she had this thing where like the nurses, they didn't want to leave her, her room. Because in her presence, people just felt like they could be who they were and like they, she just saw them for who they really were. And it was, and she, I felt like that's how she, like, that's what she gave me at the end of her life. So now what my life is all about is, is, is you know, I, I studied all of the oppressions and stuff and I was like, man, I learned, I read so many books and I didn't feel like it did much for me, you know? So now I'm like, how do we learn how to see each other? How do we learn how to move? Because I don't think that we are meant to live in our minds. Mm -hmm. I don't think we're going to heal the world from understanding all the intersections of capitalism and oppression and racism. I don't think that writing 10 essays on it is going to do it. We have to come back here. So that's, for me, it's all about how do we learn how to be with each other, how to be, period, how to see each other, how to connect with the values and embody all these things that we're talking about. So that's why I'm here. I want to, I know that I'm here, part of my test is, is a practice of embodying cooperativism, of embodying being someone who's about business but isn't about capitalism. You know, I'm about creating value, right? But not about extracting, you know. It's like, how can how can we embody these things, live it, speak it, interact? Like, you know, when I'm in the market, you know, I want to really, I want every interaction in the market for me to be like, I want to, you know, I want to leave that person with so much more than just this money. You know, I want to leave them with my heart. I want to leave them with an impression, you know, of like, this is, you know, this is what we're like. You know, this is, I'm your family, you know. So... That's what this for me, like this whole journey has been learning about the energy of money and all these things and how can we not let that, you know, control me, but like to control it, to master my mind so it's not mastering me, to master money so it's not mastering me, to embrace these things, not to have them control me, but to be like, okay, these are tools, my mind, this money, and to be who I am and not even worry about, because if I'm being who I am, then I'm good. And I think that's the same for all of us. So that's why I'm here to be as holy myself as I can be, to see you all as holy who you are as I can. Thank you. Hi, I'm Jessica Shirelles. Um, I, um, I'm originally from Watts, California. Um, I moved to Oakland about 10 years ago. Um, I'm a nurse.
do more holistic work. Um, my focus is more on like food and art and uh, movement. I'm also trying to do massage therapy. Um, and the reason why I'm here is just to build. Um, I actually come from a background of builders and leaders. Um, my dad, he did the peace treaty in uh, Watts in 1992. So I'm just here to continue that movement. No? Oh. Greetings, family. My name is Imani Olubala Aziz. I'm originally from Cleveland, Ohio. My family moved to the South in 75, 76. I come from a city where, mm -hmm, where we learned about our history. I was around when it was just a week, African history, or Black History Week. It was just a week, so that's how old I am. You were around when what? When Black History was just a week. And, and I watched it growing two a month. But the most impactful thing that I learned, because I came out of a black school system, if you would say black, is who we are and what we've done. And that is the most important thing anyone can do for themselves and for the people to know where they come from. Because then you'll know where you're going. If you have no idea who you are, or your place in this world, you'll be up for any and everything. So you're just out here, just floundering, falling into whatever. I've heard everything each one of you have said. It's beautiful. I say this to you, and it's the most important thing. Love is where it all comes from. If you do not have love in you, you cannot extend it to me. You understand? We can't do anything without that. That is who we are. That is the first thing that was taken from us when we left here. That our children are connected to, to, to each other. That is how you destroy a family. Now we're broken pieces, and our job is to come back together. And that's, the, that's where cooperation comes from, because you learn that in the family. But when, he, like I said, before they left there, they destroyed the family. So where did the children learn? Even that concept of sharing, because how can we exist, how can we survive if we don't help each other? That's the basic of all of this. Cooperatives are old, they're ancient. This is nothing new to us at all. You know, I say sometimes the people use these ten million dollar words to say this simple thing right here. <laughs> but understand at the root of it is that thing that we need, that we uniquely have for everyone, and that's love. We can't do anything else. I'm a mother of eight, and one thing my children can say. No matter all, regardless of all the hardships we, we went through, when we were together, and they knew that mommy loves them, no matter what. 
everything I did was out of love. When I spanked them, it was out of love. <laughs> 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 and they knew why. Because, you know, there are those offenses that you commit that require certain kinds of punishments. Okay. That's why they can say, I see, I see why you did that. Yeah, Mom, that was pretty jacked up what I did. Yeah, it was. Because that stopped us from doing this other thing that we needed to do. Solidarity is just me basically sharing with you. It could be just a smile. You know, it could be a hug. Because I'm with you, and you know that by my actions. Not by my words. Okay? So anything that we do, yes, let's plan, let's do this thing. But understand that even in the end, when we're asked, for those of you who believe in that, what did you do for your brother and sister? I would like to be on the side saying, well, I, I tried to do this, that, and the other. I did do this, that, and the other. You know, if you believe in the comedic mysteries, when you have those 142 affirmations or, 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 or confessions of what you did do, I would that one of them were that we supported each other because that's, what's, that's what we're here for. We're created to love one another. That part of us that is emotion is that which binds us. Otherwise, if we didn't have it, we'll constantly be at war. The system we're under now doesn't teach us that, will not allow it. Because see, then that will overrule a lot of the other stuff capitalism presents to us. Okay. So, with that said, I'm going to shut up now. <laughs> Thank you. Hi, my name is Rose Edwards. I am from Oakland, California. And I have known Gregory and me and Imani since a long time. Long, long, long time. Um, I am a teacher of arts and crafts. I am fortunate that I can do what I love. I love teaching kids how to make things and draw things and put things together and let's see what we can do with this. And um, I, my hope is that this would maybe a starting point of being able to come back and further teach more children in Ghana. Bring some arts and crafts into their life. And that's it. Yeah. I'm simple. <laughs> yeah. Um, mm, peace, everyone. My name is Kana. And um, Free the Land. And um, yeah, when I'm hearing everyone, what's coming up for me is I think about. The work that we need to do, similar to sort of um, recovering from uh, an unhealthy relationship. And if anyone has ever been in one, there's so many cycles, whether, you know, some people make up and break up and make up and break up. Some people find the same person over and over again and multiple other people. Um, some people replace that person with addictions. Um, you know, and, and, we, and each time it's whatever that core piece is that we feel like we just can't get over <laughs> like we don't know how to let go of sugar like it's just so important to our like existence and lives we just can't let go of certain types of treatment and abuse is so familiar to us and so the it, it, it literally feels like you're fighting for your life if anyone has ever uh, overcome an addiction or an unhealthy relationship and you're running from it and it feels like that 
addiction of that person is running after you even stronger and harder and heavier and behind you and to a point oftentimes you give up and just think you're supposed to have this thing you know how can you do it without that thing you're so relying on that type of relationship and so for me when I think about like what everyone has said from the economic pieces of it to what's going on in the spirit to what happens in the emotions to what happens in the body the rebirth process all of those things I think about so many people, including myself, that have had to end toxic relationships with people and went through that entire process and keep going through that process and keep rethinking, well, maybe I can just have them back in this way and maybe I can just eat one cookie. <laughs> you know, maybe I could just have, you know, one of this or one of that and once a year. You know, okay, just once a year on New Year's, you know, that kind of thing. And I think that that's the relationship we have with the state. That's the relationship that we have with um, the type of oppression that we're trying to overcome, that we we keep going through these cycles. And, we, you know, some of us, we create organizations or join organizations or have mental thoughts. It's like, it's strictly the emotional, you know. We're going to go into the emotional healing aspects of it. And then other folks are like, no, it's the political and it's it's the economic and it's, and it's sort of like, it's this orchestra of all of these things in order to finally, once and for all, end our addiction to that toxicity. And literally, it's an addiction. It, it and, and you have to figure out, you know, I keep using these, you know, examples or whatever just to paint the picture. But it's like uh, a person leaving an abusive lover. You have to figure out what your kids are going to do, what the economic plan is, how you're going to live, how you're going to move, how you're going to create safety for yourself, how are you going to... You know, all these things. Are, are we going to, um, am I going to struggle? All of these different patterns that an individual would have to think about for themselves and for their families in that situation is everything that we're faced with in this space and in this understanding. Even the network piece. How do I get my sister or my brother? I need my mom to come and drive the car and drive with the kid so that I can go back to work because now I got to leave this person and, you know. And um, that's sort of where, you know, what, what it led my heart into is like working with so many people and so many um, folks in my lives that are overcoming so much. It's like they're fighting for their lives in this similar way. And so, um, yeah, that's that's my piece. Um, let's see. What do I do? I am currently uh, working to transition um, Healing Kitchen which is Afro-vegan plant-based cuisine, meal prep, meal planning, um, and consultations, workshops into a worker-owned cooperative that's black women-led, specifically for women in, black women in the Bay Area um, from born and raised. And let's see, anyone that's interested, holler, because, you know, we um, are absolutely looking for uh, people that are of like mind and interested and invested, specifically black women, but not exclusively. Um, so born, and, open, born, and raised, yeah. born and raised specifically, but not exclusively. Um, and what else? I am the co-coordinator of the Oakland chapter of the Malcolm X grassroots movement. Um, and we are a human rights organization um, working towards the uh, self-determination, self-defense, and uh, liberation of African people—excuse uh, me, new African people—in uh, uh, whatever the states, the Americas, as well as globally. And um, we could talk about that at you know some point. And for Pan-Africanism, for that piece, and like what I look forward to out of all of this, 
Um, aside from like just, you know, being here and physically like just soaking it up and soaking it up with you all is like, uh, I, I will, I want to know what Cooperation Jackson's doing. Yeah. I really, you know, am very much invested. That's a part of our lineage as far as, uh, Malcolm X grassroots movement, the Jackson Kush plan, um, and sort of what does that look like to have autonomy in for black people where we are and thinking through some of what folks said around connecting here is that we have to have something <laughs> we have to know that what that we have something and that we're collectivizing in order to organize that in a way that's not extractive that's not escapism that's not skipping over hundreds and hundreds of, of years and ancestors that we have buried on those grounds <laughs> you know and sort of saying okay well you know, we don't have culture. We're just going to, you know, it's like, no, we are part of a continuous, you know, culture. We have legacy. We we inspired the whole world with what we've done. We've done something that no one on the planet has done in liberating ourselves and inspiring liberation everywhere. And so I don't take that lightly. I, I see that as, as my identity, you know. Um, and then I also connect with our African ancestry and identity here. Um, I think that 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 the strength that came from who it is that we are in our blood and in our genes and our DNA rose into uh, battle and rose into fight and, and was quickened by the spirit to say and, 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 and inspired by inspiration, you know, by organization and by opportunity and, you know, doing these small these small pieces that led to a, a greater. Um, so uh, I look to see what an authentic connection can look like understanding that and so for me that authenticity is that this is who I am <laughs> I'm not trying to be who you are copy copy right we talked about this in the plane copy noted I'm not trying to be who you are I'm trying to be who I am and I want to connect and I want you to see that too and see where that connection lies and like where can we go from there where can we build from there in a in a real way and what are the terms of that you know what what is it that you need what is it that we need because we have needs we can't say like we come without wanting something we're coming here wanting something you're probably receiving us also wanting something what is that speak on that put that on the table let's be transparent in that let's not hide from that let's not dance around it and put on our yohuru for that like let's really show up bravely and say like we're we're different we have some different things that that made us and we're also very similar. And where do those lines connect? And let's build on those lines and focus in on those lines. And then the other stuff, you know, as we start to break bread, it's like, yeah, but I don't like the way y'all, <laughs> you know, I'm not feeling. And can y'all switch? And, and what's up with that? Okay, whatever, you know. But then get back to the table and be like, okay, but this. <laughs> but this is what we said we were going to do. And I think a lot of times we're focused on all the things that we can look at is like what we were talking about people getting caught up on language and like what do we call ourselves and i don't agree with these terms it's like then that's not what you focus on right <laughs> don't focus on what you don't agree on yeah. focus on what you agree on you know and let that lead so that's where i'm at peace free to land i say thank you yeah, yeah. am i the last one okay cool um, so, again, well, not everybody was here yesterday when we were in the airport, so, hey, I'm Saka Jawia, Saki, um, I'm originally from New York City, on the Lower East Side, 
specifically from Manhattan. My father's from St. Louis. My mom is from Haiti. Um, uh, and so I um, didn't grow up in a politically pan-African um, way. But um, I, from a really early age, was always interested in the African diaspora and, and the continent. Um, and so I see pan-Africanism as um, like un identifying and understanding that we have a connection to this, this place where we are now, um, but also that we're a part of a broader uh, diaspora, right? And then understanding and identifying that um, in a similar way that Nkrumah was talking about Ghana being independent, but not, like that's not being enough until all of Africa is independent. Like, um, Understanding that our um, that our uh, li liberation and that our um, success really is connected, um, and that we can't um, we can't achieve certain things in the individual places that we are as African people if 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 our folks in other places around the globe are um, still experiencing oppression. And so I think that um, really excited to see the connection between that. And um, so, and solidarity economy, um, which is something that um, going to Jackson, Mississippi, and um, launching, starting Cooperation Jackson, and trying to um, put some vision into practice um, has been the focus for the last almost, you know, five, almost six years. Um, and um, and so I think that like, you know, there's resources, you have to figure out ways to manage resources. And so I think a solidarity economy is really about being able to manage and distribute resources in a, in a way that um, is equitable um, and in a way that um, in multiple ways. Um, and so it's not always necessarily an exchange of goods and services for currency, but it's multiple things, right? Um, and there's, you know, potentially even ways that, yeah, we have, like, a lot of what we're talking about and cooperatives in and of themselves are not new, but I still think that there um, uh, are opportunities for us to come up with new, um, new things when we're defining and wanting to see what like what a solidarity economy is, right? Um, and so I think, you know, so both of those pieces are really near, dear, and important to me. And so I'm glad to be here trying to connect the two. I think that um, we have to be focused on local economies because um, all the things, a lot of the things that people have been talking about in terms of like actually connecting and actually having relationships with each other, um, it like, I think is much easier if it's in like this group of people compared to like hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people. So I don't think that we need to grow to scale in terms of one big mammoth thing. I think that we need to see, um, I think we need to see a swell of our local groups and even like micro groups within local areas building and developing and then figuring out what's a system of connecting um and i think and you know so like for cooperation jackson um it was important for us to 
re like interject because I Greg had um, talked to us about this like last year actually after October when we met when I was in um, the Bay um, and so we kind of like fell to the side but then it's like we got to kick back in and be here and be present for this because it's a it's a it's a continuing furthering um, thought within uh, like a big big long term um, vision of how do how are we um, for, so for me, I think it's like solidarity is important, but I think we actually need to move beyond solidarity. And I think that solidarity doesn't always mean a particular type of action. Um, and so, yeah, so the idea of a network um, and, you know, being able to participate in thinking through and, um, and seeing what that would look like and seeing how at a certain point when the shit is falling apart, um, and um, the empire <laughs> that we, you know, all live in is falling apart. We got to have ways to be able to still, um, I think, live and act globally um, and, and, and do trade, right? And so, um, um, so, yeah, so I'm here both on, you know, like individually, um, uh, and this trip, it, like years later, is um, reminding me of the first time um, when I was coming to Africa, and I went to South Africa um, in um, 2002, I think it was. Um, it's just bringing up a lot of the same um, feelings of um, of like coming home, and also like wanting it to be more than a visit um and so like what opportunities um you know are there um for us to to be to be real about what our capacity is when we leave here um and and to set up like even if it's small baby steps for how we um do stay in connection and in relationship with with what's happening here um, and then to each other because we're in like three different areas in the in the U.S. Right. Um, so yeah. So I have like you know individual stuff, um, and then at the same time I'm also here um, representing our organization and, and what we're hoping to um, to both like to contribute and to contribute in building. Um, yeah. May I? May I add something to that? Thank you. Um, I just want to say like. At the bare minimum, at the very bare minimum, we can start a susu. We can start a susu with intent to put that, to invest that money into land or ownership of something collectively. You know, at the bare minimum. What's a susu? Hey. That's like a savings. Okay. okay. What is it? It's like savings. Yeah, it's like an investment cooperative. It can be a money pot. It can be right. somehow. Huh? Yeah. Bringing our resources together. Is when all the women that work in, say, they just all sell plantain chips. Every week, they put in five CDs, and at the each week as it goes by, everybody gets to collect that collaboration of five CDs. One by and one. So one it allows, by one. Right. Yeah. So the, they they've labeled it like a pyramid scheme, but it's not. It's something that we Africans have been doing since for years, forever. 
and we do it in the Caribbean. Yep. You know, we call it throwing box in Guyana, mm -hmm. and they call them susus in uh, Jamaica as well too. And it really helped me out when you know we did fifty bucks a week. And you know, when I got that three thousand dollars, I was really able to do something at the end of. You know, and some people just put it all back in, trying to let it yeah. ride. Yeah. So it's literally, um, it's literally everybody investing. We decide on the amount to invest. Mm -hmm. You know, we decide where the money is going to be held. Mm -hmm. If somebody fucks it up, like somebody doesn't hold their honor and their word, and doesn't, you know what I'm saying? Okay, you keep let them let them go, and you keep going. Right. You don't just stop. You know what I'm <coughs> and so every month or every week somebody would get the pot, the susu, that everybody invested in, say it was everybody invested $100 a week. So every month or every week, some a new person gets that uh, $1,000 or however many people it is. And you get to, we get to decide what we're gonna invest that, our portion into, how much of our portion we're gonna invest into and what it's gonna be. But preferably for me, yeah. some ownership. Even, even taking it further, and I know you have to speak on yours too, Miss Recording. Um, taking it further, I would, I would just, you know, put in that idea out there. If we do decide to go forward, I think it's even more critical, or it's also critical to know, like, that we collectively agree in what you're gonna invest in. Because, like, I'll take my three thousand. I'll do what I want. You know, it's like, yeah, we should. And uh, on Wednesday. Yeah, I was going to say on Wednesday evening of the conference, we're going to have a two-hour period to actually do a lot of visioning and talk about what the next steps we want to do are after having two days together, sharing different concepts, learning about different things. So I just wanted to share that that space is going to be there for us to continue this conversation. But maybe we keep it focused now. You want to talk with your hands? Yeah, perhaps. Hello. Hello. Um, my name is Malakia Johnson. I live in D.C. Although I grew up in Des Moines, Iowa. Um, I don't consider either one of those places home, but that's land you can refer to with me. Um, I this, this trip is a part of this tour I've been on for the past three months called the Take Care of Each Other World Tour. Um, I've been traveling to eight cities interviewing architects people interested in cooperatives, engineers, farmers, about the work that they're doing and their sustainable visions for the future. And I have a partnership with the Moreland Spring Art Research Center at Howard University, HU. I went there. Um, um, and they agreed to house the interviews. It's really important to me to record these things so that we don't have another Jessica Gordon Nemhard in 50 years who's having to scrape up all of these different things that are happening all over the country, the world, and nobody knows about it. And still now, all of these things are happening and people really aren't archiving it or recording it. And so that is what I am trying to do. And um, yes, that is why I'm here. And, and thank you. That's why I said that. Thank you for listening. Check us out at repairnations.org.